This week, Governor Newsom signs bill for PG&E Wildfire Fund. Stearns Holdings files for Chapter 11. Ensco Rowan increases aggregate purchase price of tender offer to $724.1 million. More on all this, and as always, updates from Puerto Rico. Welcome to the Week in Reorg. Hello, and welcome to the Reorg podcast, where we bring you the latest top developments in high yield, distressed debt, and bankruptcy. I'm Connor Skelding, reporter for Reorg in New York. And I'm Alex Brosman. Later in the episode, legal analyst Karen Lung sits down with Jessica Steinhagen and Ian Halwind from the Reorg First Day team to discuss Chapter 11 filings from the first half of 2019. It's Sunday, July 14th. The PG&E story continued last week with the enactment of Assembly Bill 1054, which creates a wildfire fund. Uh, The bill sped through Sacramento last week. It received approval in both houses of the California State Legislature before Governor Gavin Newsom signed it on Friday, despite some debate and criticism in committee. With the support of Newsom and the legislative leaders, the bill's signing on Friday, July 12th, met Newsom's self-imposed deadline, the last day of the legislative session before the body's summer break. The new law took effect immediately as an urgency measure. Judge William Alsup filed a request Wednesday afternoon that PG&E respond to two recent media reports. First, a Wall Street Journal article concerning the utility's awareness of the risky state of repair of its transmission system. And second, an ABC News report on PG&E's political contributions to the campaigns of Governor Gavin Newsom and state legislators. Regarding the Wall Street Journal story, Judge Alsop requested, quote, a fresh, forthright statement owning up to the true extent of the Wall Street Journal report. Regarding the ABC News report, Judge Alsop instructed PG&E to set forth all political contributions made since January 1st, 2017. In addition, he requested that the company explain why the company paid out billions in dividends before seeking Chapter 11 protection, quote, at a time when PG&E was aware of the problems named in the Wall Street Journal report and knew of its hazard tree backlog. The Utility Reform Network, or TURN, filed a joinder on Wednesday afternoon to the ad hoc committee of senior unsecured note holders motion to terminate the PG&E debtor's exclusive planned filing and solicitation periods. Turn argues that the debtor's exclusive periods should be terminated, quote, immediately, although it clarifies that at this time it does not, quote, explicitly or implicitly endorse the plan construct that was outlined by the senior unsecured note holder group. Turn asks the court to grant the exclusivity termination motion, asserting that, quote, competing plans will ultimately yield the best possible result for ratepayers and creditors. Ensco Rowan disclosed this week the results to date of its previously announced cash tender offers to purchase the outstanding notes of Ensco Rowan and its wholly owned subsidiaries, Ensco International Incorporated and Rowan Companies Incorporated. As of the early tender date of 5 p.m. Eastern Time on July 9th, Ensco Rowan had received valid tenders totaling approximately $1.127 billion in the aggregate principal amount of notes. Ensco Rowan also announced that it had increased the maximum aggregate purchase price in the tender offers from $600 million to $724.1 million, exclusive of accrued interest, waived the reorganization condition to the tender offers and consent solicitations with respect to the notes issued by Rowan, and elected to have an early settlement date of July 12th for notes tendered at, at or prior to the early settlement date. 
All other terms and conditions of the tender offers and consent solicitations remain unchanged. Ensco Rowan's price consideration of $724.1 million would represent a 24% discount to par based on the $952 million amount of principal tendered. The tender is expected to save the company $52 million of annual cash interest. As a result of the tender, the company's pro forma March 31st cash and short-term investments balance is expected to decrease from $1.48 billion to $756 million, with $2.3 billion of pro forma availability under the company's revolver at March 31st. Total pro forma liquidity reduces from $3.8 billion to $3.1 billion. On October 1st, revolving credit facility commitments will fall from $2.3 billion to $1.7 billion. Stearns Holdings, a Louisville, Texas-based residential mortgage loan originator, and six affiliates filed for Chapter 11 protection on Tuesday in the Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of New York. Outstanding debt includes $183 million of 9 3 senior secured notes due 2020, and various pre-petition repurchase agreements with $1.1 billion of collective availability. The debtors are pursuing a plan that would be sponsored by their majority equity holder, Blackstone, as well as $35 million in cash flow dip financing from Blackstone and a separate $1.5 billion dip to be provided by Barclays Bank and Nomura Corporate Funding Americas that would replace existing repo warehouse facilities. Major note holder PIMCO has proposed an alternate plan structure and submitted an alternative dip financing proposal. The filed plan and disclosure statement provides for Blackstone to inject $60 million in cash to the debtors. Those funds would be used to cash out the pre-petition senior secured notes outstanding in the amount of $183 million. The debtors are proposing procedures for a 30-day market test of the plan sponsorship, concurrent with the disclosure statement hearing notice period. The debtors obtained all of their requested relief at a first-day hearing before Judge Shelley Chapman on Wednesday. Jay Goffman of Skadden Arps, counsel to the debtors, informed the court at the outset of the hearing that the debtors had resolved an objection from PIMCO to the $35 million cash flow dip term loan. According to Goffman, this agreement with PIMCO should make the entire case completely consensual. A second-day hearing has been scheduled for July 31st, and a hearing on planned sponsor selection procedures will take place on July 23rd. Judge Chapman also scheduled the disclosure statement hearing for August 22nd and the planned confirmation hearing for October 3rd. Turning to the island of Puerto Rico, on Monday, a special session called last week by Governor Ricardo Rosseo to pass three pending bills and for the Senate to take up confirmation of Treasury Secretary-designate Francisco Perez open and closed. All of the legislative measures on the agenda cleared the Senate and House of Representatives. This week also saw more action in Puerto Rico's Title III cases. On Tuesday evening, fuel line lenders Cortland Capital and Solis, PREPA's main financial creditors other than the bondholders, filed an adversary proceeding against the Promesa Oversight Board, PREPA, the Puerto Rico Fiscal Agency and Financial Advisory Authority, or AFAF, and U.S. Bank as a bond trustee. According to the complaint, beginning in 2012, the fuel line lenders extended approximately $700 million in working capital to PREPA to fund fuel purchases necessary to PREPA's operations. 
The fuel line lenders assert that these advances were premised on the party's express understanding that the advances were, quote, current expenses under the trust agreement governing PREPA's bond debt. The plaintiffs say they filed the lawsuit to, quote, protect their rights vis-a-vis PREPA's bondholders and to ensure that funds that are required to be used to pay the fuel line lenders are not diverted to bondholders. And on Wednesday morning, federal authorities arrested former Education Secretary Julia Kelleher, former Health Insurance Administration Executive Director Angela Avila Marrero, and four government contractors amid a broad federal probe targeting corruption in the awarding of government contracts. The six had been indicted by a federal grand jury on charges that included theft of government funds and wire fraud and conspiracy. The 32-count indictment, which involves about $15.6 million in contracts, also names BDO Puerto Rico President Fernando Calle and government contractors Alberto Velasquez Pinol, Glenda Ponce Mendoza, and Myra Ponce Mendoza. Calle and Velasquez also face money laundering charges under the indictment. Federal authorities said the defendants were arrested and indicted for their, quote, participation in a conspiracy to steal and convert federal funds involving fraudulently obtained contracts. At a press conference, Rosa Amelia Rodriguez Velez, U.S. attorney for Puerto Rico, said the investigation remains ongoing. She said the defendants face a maximum of 20 years in prison on the money laundering and wire fraud charges and a maximum of 10 years in prison on the conspiracy and theft of government funds charges. Governor Rosseo, who cut short a family vacation to France and a European cruise, said in a press conference late Thursday night that he was, quote, ashamed and furious over the arrest and pledged to take additional steps to fight public corruption. Separately during the press conference, Governor Rosseo also asked the people of Puerto Rico to forgive him for comments he made in a group chat that were leaked to the press on Thursday. These comments included him facetiously authorizing an official government statement directed at the Promesa Oversight Board containing expletives followed by a series of middle finger emojis. Governor Rosseo was also criticized for derogatory statements he and his administration made in the chat towards certain female politicians. Some government officials have since called for changes in the governor's team following the leak. In other news last week, Reorg learned that Seedrill Partners has hired Kirkland and Evercore ahead of $2.6 billion in loans that come due in 2021. Lenders, for their part, are working with Millbank, according to sources. Also, Halcon Resources lenders are working with RPA and Simpson Thatcher ahead of potential covenant noncompliance by the Houston-based ENP, Reorg learned from sources. Ahead of Sanchez's Energy's upcoming July 15th coupon, Certain secured and unsecured bondholders have become restricted, sources told Reorg. Mallinckrodt announced that it borrowed $400 million under its revolver, and the company also disclosed that it reduced debt by $302 million in its second quarter through discounted debt purchases. Other top stories this week were, Syncreon English scheme to avoid Chapter 11 restructuring could create new industry precedent, U.S. proceedings considered long too expensive. Oklahoma judge denies Janssen's motion for judgment in $17 billion opioid lawsuit. Trial will continue with defendant's defense case. 
Milbank Second Lien Ad Hoc Group in Windstream Cases discloses total debt holdings of $2.272 billion. And here's Jim Holloway with the week ahead. Thank you, Alex. Hello, Connor. Greetings, everyone else, and welcome to another week of it. Monday, July 15th, big day for a number of names near and dear to us, starting with Sanchez Energy, which has a $35 million coupon due and on its 6th and an 8th of 2023, forbearance expiration for Blackhawk Mining, and the expiration at midnight of Sable Permian's latest extension of its exchange offer, and the early tender deadline for Flexivan, and there is also a planned supplement due from Ditech. Tuesday, July 16th, Acorns Revolver matures, and the weekly TSA report is due from Puerto Rico. And a number of hearings, Legacy Reserves, Weatherford, Hexion, New Katai, South Cross, Cloud Peak, and Bristow. Wednesday, July 17th, Avon's tender offer expires, and there is a forbearance expiration related to the Puerto Rican Aqueduct and Sewer Authority and the U.S. Department of Agriculture Rural Services. This has been extended 10 times, by the way, so we'll just have to see what happens. There's also earnings from Netflix. Thursday, July 18th, more earnings, this time from PetSmart Chewy. And there's also some hearings, specifically Cloud Peak and Fusion Connect. And Friday, July 18th, the UCC formation meeting in Stearns and jury selection in the KG physiotherapy matter. Enjoy yourselves, folks. That's all from me and back to y'all up there. Thanks, Jim. Now we've got Karen. Jessica and Ian, who will discuss Chapter 11 cases filed in the first half of 2019. I'm talking today with the team at Reorg First Day, Jessica Steinhagen and Ian Howland. Reorg First Day monitors Chapter 11 filings across the country with more than $10 million in liabilities and tracks trends in filings through the First Day database. Jessica and Ian are going to give us a bird's eye view today of Chapter 11 filing activity in the first half of 2019. This week, the First Day team is actually releasing its mid-year review, which describes all of these insights and trends in much greater detail, and that's in words as well as beautiful data visualizations, which really brings it all to life. So if you're a subscriber, please check it out. To start us off, Jessica, can you tell us about the level of Chapter 11 filing activity recently? Sure. Both quarters from the first half of this year were particularly busy compared to last year. Starting with the first quarter, we saw 102 new cases. That's a 3% increase from 2018 and up 19% from 2017, while it was down 8% from 2016 during the same time period. This was followed by 94 new cases in the second quarter. The January 15th through March 15th period this year was also particularly busy, outpacing each of the previous three years with nearly 90 new cases in just under 60 days. February was the busiest February for Chapter 11 filings in at least four years, with nearly 40 new Chapter 11 cases commenced in 28 days. Since Reorg First Day started coverage in 2015, the busiest February after 2019 was 2016. Not surprisingly, 20% of the Chapter 11s in February 2016 were made up of energy cases. In February of this year, energy cases were just 8% of new Chapter 11s. Ian, turning it over to you, what types of companies have been filing for Chapter 11 in the first half of the year? The first half of 2019 was dominated by the consumer discretionary and healthcare sectors, which constituted one-third of the period's 196 new Chapter 11 filings. 
The nature of retail bankruptcies has shifted compared to recent years, with a relatively lower percentage of retail filings coming from chains and an increasing percentage coming from retail distributors and wholesalers. Though the frequency of retail chain bankruptcies in the first half of 2019 was on pace with the first half of 2018, the amount of debt involved was significantly lower, with over $6 billion in retail chain debt accumulating in the first half of 2018, compared with roughly $2.5 billion for 2019. Retail in the first half also included two repeat filings from retail chains that filed previously in 2017, Payless and Gymboree. Both companies used their second filings to liquidate significant portions of their footprint, with Payless liquidating its North America operations and Gymboree liquidating two of its three main brands. Also, the healthcare sector's signs of struggle were apparent in several areas this half, most notably in the pharmaceuticals, senior living facility operators, and rural hospital spaces. Pharmaceuticals accounted for more Chapter 11s in the first six months of 2019 than in all of 2016, 2017, and 2018 combined. Healthcare filings also increased in debt volume, which recorded more healthcare cases with over $100 million in liabilities in 2019's first half than in all of 2018. I know the team also observed some events and phenomena for the first time in the first half of this year. Now that you've maintained your database for several years, what's slept out at you? Ah, sure, Karen. This time period included several firsts for the Rearg First Day Chapter 11 database. First, PG&E became the first company to check the box for more than $50 billion in liabilities on a Chapter 11 petition. In addition, Full Beauty became the first non-chain retailer to report over $1 billion in liabilities. There was also an interesting fact that Springfield Hospital became the first Vermont Chapter 11 to report more than $10 million in liabilities. The healthcare sector also reached 30 Chapter 11 filings in one half for the first time, and May 2019 became the first month to record 10 prepackaged or pre-negotiated Chapter 11 cases. And what levels of debt are being brought into Chapter 11 by these new debtors? Did you notice a difference between Q1 and Q2? Well, after a busy Q1, Q2 really started off with a bang. Companies with nearly $6 billion in combined debt filed by early Monday morning on April 1st, including energy companies Vanguard Natural Resources and South Cross Energy Partners. Chemical company Hexion and Orchids Paper Products Company, a paper tissue products supplier. Vanguard had liabilities $1.2 billion, and Hexion filed with $3.8 billion in debt, excluding their trade debt. South Cross and Jones Energy had debt loads of $614.2 million and $1 billion, respectively. Each of these four cases filed within the first two weeks of Q2. In the first quarter of 2019, 11 companies filed, reporting more than $500 million in debt. And some months were particularly busy, with a high number of new cases. Both March and May had 40 cases. Prior to this year, the last month to record over 40 cases was May 2016, which was the busiest month for Chapter 11 cases since the start of Reorg First Day coverage in 2015. Many first quarter themes continued into the second quarter, including sustained troubles in several areas of the healthcare sector, while some underwent significant shifts, such as the energy sector, which saw its Chapter 11 filing frequency triple from the first quarter to the second. Interesting. And of course, the third quarter looks to continue that trend with uh, two companies that filed with uh, multi-billion dollars of debt, Monotronics and Weatherford on July 1st. Let's talk more about retail. You said that while the number of filers uh, basically maintained last year's level, there's been a shift to distributors away from chains. Is that right, Ian? 
Yeah. Um, so there were 20 retail bankruptcies in the first half, um, which consisted of 10 retail chains, including Shopco, Gymboree, Charlotte Russe, Things Remembered, Payless, along with U.S. retail arms for international fashion company Diesel and London-based L.K. Bennett. Like 2017 and 2018, fashion stores dominated the first half of 2019's retail chain, Chapter 11's, and e-commerce retailers. Out of these companies, Full Beauty was the first non-chain retailer to report over $1 billion in liabilities on its Chapter 11 petition. The first half of the year also saw retail chain filings from beauty retailer Beauty Brands and mattress dealer Sleep Outfitters. There were also a bunch of furnishing companies that filed, and they made up the bulk of the retail distributor Chapter 11 filings during the first half. Those Chapter 11 filers included Hollander Sleep Products and American Home Products, which extended an uptick in the furniture-based Chapter 11s that began last year with Heritage Home Group and mattress firms' bankruptcies. Restaurant chains also succumbed to Chapter 11 with Even Stevens Sandwich Shops and a Rock and Brews franchisee. Both of them were seeking to sell their assets. Healthcare bankruptcies have been rising in both frequency and liability size. There were a total of 17 healthcare cases filing in the first quarter, and in 2019's second quarter, 13 additional cases filed. Specialty pharmaceutical companies, including Avidel Specialty Pharmaceuticals, Pernix Sleep, Aceto, Achoagin, and Agerion, nearly all of which aim to sell assets, filed in the first half of the year. Insys Therapeutics also filed in June, facing large opioid-related liabilities. Insys went into bankruptcy shortly after entering into a $225 million opioid litigation settlement with the U.S. Department of Justice over the market of its fentanyl delivery spray, Subsys. Claiming no hope for reorganization, like many of the other pharmaceutical companies, Insys is also seeking to sell assets. Continuing care retirement community bankruptcies have also had a large presence over the first half. Let's also turn to the energy sector. How has that sector fared so far this year? Well, since the oil and gas price pledge began in 2014, the energy sector has continued to struggle against the prolonged depressed commodity prices. Though the prices have rebounded some since the low in 2016, they remain far below the pre-plunge values. The reasons behind some of the bankruptcies have been that the EMP companies are drilling less, leading to lower revenue and decreased demand for their support of the oil field services company. Companies. The first quarter of 2019 had a relatively low number of only six energy cases, but in the second quarter, this number increased to 18. The second quarter's energy cases made this past quarter the first quarter with more than 15 energy cases since 2016. And what about other types of companies uh, other than oil and gas? Sure. We also found a spike in coal company filings, with more coal producers filing in the last 12 months or so than in the previous 30. Though there have been more coal company filings, the amount of liabilities per case has decreased dramatically. This is largely due to the 2016 filings of Arch Coal and Peabody Energy, which each filed with billions in debt. What trends have you noticed for dip financing uh, in the first half of the year? The first day database includes about 40 dip motions for each of the first and second quarters of 2019, with aggregate dip commitments totaling nearly $12 billion, inclusive of new money and roll-ups. However, most, almost half of the aggregate dip amount comes from PG&E's $5.5 billion dip financing request. 
Ditex dip came in next at 1.9 billion, followed by Windstream's 1 billion requested dip, Hexion's 700 million request, and Shopco's 480 million request. There was an average dip facility size of approximately 150 million, with a median facility size of 7.5 million. Great, thanks, Ian. And uh, lastly, you know, some of the debtors uh, that you're tracking at Reorg First Day, Jessica, are pursuing reorganization. Others are seeking to sell their assets. How would you describe the approach to asset sales for Chapter 11 filers from the first half? Well, I would say one way to look at the recent debtors seeking Chapter 11 sales is by industry. In this category, the industries that are most heavily represented have been consumer discretionary and healthcare, representing close to one-third each of the sale cases so far this year. There are a large concentration of pharmaceutical companies that have filed in 2019, and nearly all of them aim to sell their assets. The healthcare sector as a whole was heavy on sales during the first half of the year also, with roughly 50% of the cases filing in pursuit of a potential sale. Of the consumer discretionary cases, those ran from restaurants such as Mr. Gotti's Pizza, Gigi's Cupcakes and Kona Grill, to home decorating companies such as Decor Holdings and American Home Products, and then you also had the more traditional retailers like Gymboree. Um, with overall about a quarter seeking to sell their assets. The next largest chunk of the sale cases were made up of energy companies representing about 10% of these cases. Um, And of the debtors filing in the first half of 2019 that ran the 363 sales, more than a third had so-called naked auctions without a stocking horse bidder. Um, There are also about seven retail companies, largely made up of retail clothing stores that ran liquidation or GOB sales during 2019's first half. Um, And these were, uh, of course, concentrated in the retail industry. Well, thank you so much, Jessica and Ian, for reviewing Chapter 11 cases in the first half of the year with us today. Really looking forward to reading about everything you've discussed today in the mid-year review that's coming from the Reorg First Day team this week. Connor, back to you. Thanks, guys. And thank you for listening to another Reorg Weekly Review. As always, you can find all Reorg podcasts on our site's media page, iTunes, and SoundCloud. This has been The Week in Reorg, and I'm Connor Skelting.